Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Dopio. I am Dante. Daniel. And what Dopio is, is a double shot to wake you up. And we have uh, quite a show for you today um, that's going to span from America to the shores of Japan. But first, let me check in on my Dopio dad. How are you doing, father of mine? Can't complain. Can't complain. A little early on uh, this side of the pond, but uh, I'm good. I'm good, man. I, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. It's late over here. Um, <laughs> like I, I've had a long day, like so, um, but not too long for a little dopio. So I hear you. Same here. Um, but um, and and we'll get into Japan after we get back to, or after we get finished with America. But in America, you guys have a a new leader that got inaugurated last week. How's that feel? Um. Again, I'm going to say consciously optimistic, man. I mean, it, it feels good uh, in the sense that um, you can you can almost tell that people are uh, a little bit more hopeful, uh, not as doom and gloom, you know, even though it's a, uh, it's a cloudy, raining morning here in Kentucky, uh, it still seems a little bit more brighter than it did, say, two weeks ago or before the inauguration. Um, I think the temperature here is um it's a little lukewarm you know in the sense that uh you know there is hope and excitement but i think a lot of expectations are a little tempered you know in regards to uh what's going to transpire but uh optimism is definitely on the menu yeah you know i think um i think it's one of those things where you America seemed to be under siege for a while. And um, it's kind of this psychological effect of always worrying about what's happening next and what's, what's going to be the thing that, um, that I don't know, comes around the corner and, and blindsides you. And, and that kind of fear and that kind of anxiety for years, yeah. um, that's going to take some time to get over. Um, yeah. And I think people are hopeful just on that alone. And I'm going to be the Debbie Downer on that because um, we have real problems, not just people's emotions to deal with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I would be remiss if I didn't say that I was much like Bernie Sanders on that day. Like as seeing the seeing the inauguration, I just had my had my (laughs) arms crossed, waiting patiently for action. Um, hey, it's funny how Bernie showed up a little bit of everywhere, sitting patiently. Yes, uh, he did. Thanks yes, to he did. Me. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, and I, I thought it was amusing because everyone wants to embrace Bernie Sanders now that he's no longer a threat to the status quo. But you know, we won't even talk about that. Yeah, let's not because I think I think that I seen someone. Matter of fact, I think it was you who uh, retweeted something or tweeted something to that regard, and. And I'm like, man, this is just in jest. You know, Bernie was chilling by himself, you know, and, and the optics were one that you can plug and play just about anywhere. Yeah, and that's that that was great. I mean, it, it does show that he can everyone loves him. Politics yeah. aside, everyone loves him. He he yeah. he is um there's one thing that all politicians can agree on is the fact that he cares about people. They may not agree with how he wants to do things, but his heart is always in the right place and people see that. Bertie's the cool uncle that shows up at the barbecue that everyone stops and goes by and speaks to. Yeah. You know, regardless of how you feel about yeah. him so deeply. But you know, I mean, how can you not respect Bernie and everything that he's done? Yeah. And and now like go ahead. No, I said and are fought for. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and so let's let's touch on um, the winner. Um, Biden has had his first couple of days behind the resolute desk and he's been signing off on action after action after action. Um, really, he's been trying to undo most of the problems that um, that Trump caused. Um, and really, the last couple of days of the Trump administration, a lot of people didn't notice, but Trump kind of like opened up a, a can of worms um, on his way out and just left it all over the floor for the next administration to pick up. Um, if if people weren't paying attention, he um, he lifted the travel ban like everywhere because the coronavirus travel ban. Um, he he put into place a couple of um, like pulling us out of a couple of organizations, international organizations. Um, he implanted some um, some new policy on on trade and on environmental um, responses and regulations. So much of the few day, the first few days was just Biden undoing that, which I just, you know, it's a waste of time um, that was caused by the outgoing administration. But yeah, yeah. yeah of course, it, it was. It's almost like um, that disgruntled tenant that you forced to move out, that you're forced to evict. You know, you yep. pretty much expect when you go in to expect the uh, the inspect the uh, apartment that it's going to be, um, you know, you're going to find some mess, you know, they're going to, they're going to, you know, have dents and dings in the wall. There's going to be drawers missing out of, you know, from the kitchen cabinets and stuff like that. And, you know, and that's pretty much what he did. You know, he tried to mess it up and, and um, make uh, Biden's first, whatever number of days as difficult as possible, you know, and um, I think the things that Biden is doing in regards to signing these executive orders were um, were necessary for him to do, you know, two parts, you know, one to uh, undo some of the, you know, well, yeah, stupidity of Trump. And then um, secondly, the optics that he was really, that he's really trying to do something and, and, and bring the country back together. Yeah. And, and just to give people a, a, an idea of what are some of the big ones that he um, signed um, so people can understand like the scope of things. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to list them um, in chronological order and I'm not going to list all of them. I'm just going to list, list the most impactful. Um, he engaged, he re-engaged with the world health organization. Um, he ended the withdrawal process of that. Uh, he uh, rejoined the uh, Paris climate agreement. He revoked the Keystone pipeline. Um, he preserved and fortified the DACA program um, for dreamers um, he ended the, or uh, he, he, com, excuse me, he did an executive order to combat discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, and this is going to hit the military here pretty soon because that uh, transgender um, individual ban um, that the military has is about to be lifted. Um, and that's part of this. Um, he extended some protections of some uh, immigrants. He increased FEMA reimbursements for National Guard. Um, he put out, put out his vaccine vaccination plan um, and he's established a, a COVID-19 task force as well as ask agencies to boost food aid and improve delivery of stimulus checks, um, which is very important for the people that um, haven't been able to um, or they have they don't make enough money to file taxes. Um, this would allow for those people to receive those stimulus checks and to receive that food aid, even though they don't make enough money to 
um, do their taxes every year, they'll at least get that. Because what was happening was the IRS was basing um, their disbursement and the amount of money people were getting on your tax return. Well, if you're if you have a non-tax filing status or you don't uh, make enough money to file taxes, well, you're not going to get that money. It, that That's even affected me. Um, being a veteran who is disabled, most of my money isn't taxed. So um, like there, I have to wait. I actually have to do my taxes this year, which is kind of a pain because I'm not going to get anything back anyway, because nothing I make is taxed. <laughs> right, um, right. Um, and so, um, but yeah, this is to help those people to have a process where they can get the help that they need that they not just the help that they need, but the help that the law has now required that they get, um, they're going to get that. So um, Biden's been busy um, and that's great, but um, that has pretended some strife. Um, before we go on, uh, what do you think about all of that stuff? Did I miss something that was important to you? No, I mean, you, you hit everything on the head. You hit, you hit some things that, um, that, well, I think everything that he signed was necessary. You're getting back in the WHO, necessary climate necessary DACA necessary uh the transgender um element necessary i think everything that he signed was necessary but i'm also looking at the optics and the message that he's trying to send not only nationally but internationally you know there yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 the type of guy where i look for the un, the unspoken and the unsaid behind mm-hmm. the action itself and um i think he's sending a clear message uh, and I know that you're not going to like this um, due to previous conversations that we had, that he's that he's trying to go back to um, a time of what people consider normalcy, you know, um, like a reset. Yeah, a reset to, to yeah. like what it was when Obama left out. And it's not that I don't it's not that I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that it's. But I know how you feel about normalcy. You know, normalcy is it's like cold uh, uh, talk for not enough is being done for all the people. And I get that. And I agree with you on that. But yeah. I think sometimes you have to do a hard reset in order to, you know, move forward in the direction in which uh, everyone can get a piece of the pie. Yeah. And I, I understand that. I think my problem with normalcy is the fact that um, you have these brunch liberals who think that, oh, now that Biden's in the office, everything is fine, that everything's going to be fine, that everything will go back to normal. And that normal was fine. Um, let like let me remind everyone, because it seems like I'm the negative guy. So I have to be the bearer of bad news. There's a reason why McConnell was in charge of the Senate. There's a reason why Paul Ryan was in charge of the House up until three years ago. The reason is because normal fucked people over. So like people have to realize why Trump was elected in the first place. And I'm gonna quote Bernie again. Um, When Bill Clinton was elected, he was elected to do big things he didn't do big things. There was a massacre in the house, like not a literal one. And I have to actually say not a literal one because freaking conservatives, insurrectionists decided to storm the Capitol. So I actually have to say that's a metaphorical massacre uh, in uh, Congress because they lost, uh, Democrats lost 
a huge amount of uh, seats um, after he was elected. And then what happened? Um, have a few, few administrations later, Barack Obama gets elected. They think big change, you know, changes here. Yes, we can. Two years later, loses um, House again. So we're seeing a trend of um, Democratic presidents having a, a Democratic House, a Democratic Senate, and then losing it in the first two years. How? By being lulled into this idea that people want to get back to normal. No, yeah. people want big transformative change. And if you're not giving that to the people, they're like, okay, well, we're not going to vote. Right. Like, and it's not just young people that are saying that. Like, there's a reason why the turnout for midterm elections is so low because people don't find it necessary to vote or they don't feel energized to vote. They don't feel satisfied enough to vote. But the other side feels enough hatred to vote. Right. See, however, you're going to get motivated, they're going to motivate you. So um, I, but go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, and my hope is that, um, that there is enough youth and progressiveness um, installed now that they, that someone can explain this or articulate this formula that, uh, that you just laid out. You know, that if we don't do this, this, and this, you know, history dictates that we're going to get this, this, and that, you know, and I, I'm not, this is where I become cautiously optimistic. You know, yeah. I think that there is enough, you know, with with um, Bernie's um, the support that Bernie has, you know, in the House and everything and in the Senate. I think there's enough voices to um, to to raise attention to it. But I'm not I'm not overly optimistic that the powers that be are the people who are in control right now are ready to relinquish that power to um to allow the necessary change to take place in order for there not to be a, a, a mass lulling to sleep and the, and the walkout of the people saying yeah. that, you know, we're not going to vote. You didn't hold up to your end of the bargain. And, yeah. and then, you know, the formula plays itself out again. Well, the good thing is a lot of stuff can be done through reconciliation. I think I talked a little bit about this in the last show um, mm -hmm. where Bernie and different uh, or who, whoever's on the um, um, the finance committee, they can, um, through reconciliation, get a lot of those things done. The $15 an hour minimum wage, um, some student loan um, recovery, um, as well as a bunch of other things, just dealing with, just playing with the money. Um, and all that requires is a simple majority. So there are things that can be done. They're kind of going to, it's going to be the cart pulling the horse the horse being Joe Biden, but it'll be the cart pulling the horse in that way. Um, but this is why we have three co-equal co branches of government. Each of those branches has a job to do. Legislators need to legislate. And if you're not going to legislate, then go ahead and leave. Yeah, Resign. Yeah. Like, make some space for some new blood in there. Um, yeah. but, saying, follow, I get the hell out of the way. Yeah. And there's something you said that I thought was great. Um, and it was like, you can tell what the priorities are by what has happened in the first few days. Now, this is good and bad. Um, the way this is bad is the conservatives have seized on, um, on Biden's protections of immigrants, as well as him joining the WHO again and joining um, the, uh, the Paris Climate Accords again. They're viewing that as he cares more about the external um, issues. He cares more about foreigners than he does about Americans. 
And for those of you out there who believe that, um, let me inform you that that's just not a good way of thinking about it. And here's why. The things that have happened abroad, the things that happen abroad affect us. We're no longer an isolated country that can just depend on itself. We, we have a number of businesses here in America that depend on exporting um, goods and services. We have like we as Americans, um, even if you're not or I will speak specifically for the Americans that are in America because I'm not in America. Uh, Americans in America depend on importing uh, products. That's globalism, folks. Like so everyone wants to talk about how globalism is bad without globalism you wouldn't be able to have bananas like in an off season you wouldn't be able to have pineapples at all because they don't grow those in america like there's a number of things you just wouldn't be able to have so um that's what conservatives are talking about right now they're talking about how there's a big focus on the foreign um foreign organizations foreign people daca immigration and not enough focus on domestic policy Um, But that's just not true either. Um, There is a focus on domestic policy. Um, Now, it's not as much to my liking, but there is a focus there. And I think that like, and this is going to suck to say, but we have to be a little bit more patient and allow things to play themselves out. And and I agree. I agree completely. Um, If you think, if if your line of thinking is that, you know, he's doing too much, too many things, that focus on an international basis on countries outside of America, then your thinking is limited, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, these are these are necessary. These are necessary things that we have to reconnect with in order to continue to function as we have. You know, and and it also opens the door to new ideas and new ventures in the future. You know, yeah. to back out of the world, the World Health Organization was 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 probably one, not was one of many of the stupidest things that Trump did. Yeah. You know, we have to be a part of the World Health Organization. You know, the climate, the climate accord. You know, if you, if you, if it's 2021, if you still don't think the climate change is real, then, you know, go smack yourself. You know, yeah. uh, please, because it's real. It's very real. I mean, this is, this is um, the end of January in Kentucky. The temperature today is 57 degrees, pouring down rain. Wow. In Kentucky. That's warm. You know, yeah, it's considerably warm. Where you know, <laughs> that you know, is warm, warm. 20, 30 years ago, we'd have feet of snow on the ground. Yeah. You know, and it would be somewhere around 20 degrees. You know, and the forecast is for it to be within, in the 50s and 60s all week. Yeah. Yeah, climate change is kind of real, people. Um, yeah, and, and that bothers but, me that people still fight against that. Go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. I mean, all all I'm saying is that the things that he signed, you know, were necessary. Um, And I agree with what you said uh, a few comments ago that um, we have to be more progressive in the way we do things going forward, because if we don't, we're going to get what we always received. But yeah, go go ahead and finish your uh, point on climate. I want to touch on something, though, that uh, was said by gentleman Clyburn um, about maybe it was three days ago. He said that Bush told him that if it wasn't for him, uh, this is representative Clyburn from South Carolina. uh, If it wasn't for him, then Biden would not be elected. And this is uh, Bush uh, the second. 
um, said that uh, Clyburn is the reason why Biden is where he's at. And, you know, black people are cheering everywhere. Ooh, Clyburn, ooh, he's, he's our guy. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But everyone listened to him. Like, black community listened to what he said. Um, and I want to touch on something that this speaks to a greater um, problem that uh, it's going to it's going to be very obvious in the coming months. Um, if you think you're going to be able to get by on just political power alone, that's done. Like that went out the window with Donald Trump got elected. You can no longer just say that rah, rah, normal political stuff. Um, you know, I'm I'm blue. Vote for me because I'm blue. That's over. Now, you can say that because Biden won that like we like that we showed that that's not over. No, actually, I think that Biden won specifically because of Trump's personality, not his politics. Um, I think that if Trump had a better personality, he probably would have beat Biden by a lot. Um, And the reason is this. People want to believe in something. This is why this cult stuff happened um, with um, the, oh, whatchamacallit, Capitol Hill insurrection. People want to believe in something. And it is Biden's job these first 100 days to give people something to believe in, to give people something to vote for, something to fight for. And if he doesn't, and if these first few days are, is any indication, it seems like he's going to do stuff. Um, but if he doesn't give people something to fight for, like, then he's going to lose. And people like Clyburn um, and people like Pelosi and people like Schumer who wear daishikis like and get on their one knee and act like they're like they're invited to the barbecue. And they think that that's enough instead of actually doing policy and actually bringing that two thousand dollar a month check like bill to the floor. Instead of doing that, they're shucking and jiving. That's not going to work. As a matter of fact, people are already like, run me my money. Yeah. What's taking you so long? Yeah. They don't care about that impeachment bullshit. They want their money because that's what you, that's what you promised them. Like, and all this posturing, it doesn't mean anything to us. Nah. And, and I, again, I agree. Um, the impeachment thing, um, yeah, posturing. That's what the impeachment is to me. Um, it's 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 a form of posturing. I get you don't want Trump to run again, and and that might be one of the motive motive uh, motivating factors uh, that are pushing the impeachment. But to me, in some regards, I think it's like a, a red herring. You're throwing yeah. it out there, you know, trying to appease the people. You know, while I don't know, I I, I don't know. But um, on on another note, something that you said, um, it got me thinking about this whole uh, unifying and bipartisan movement going ahead. And I wanted to ask you, um, with this uh, stimulus package that this one point was one point nine trillion that he's Mm. uh, proposed, uh, there's already questions that he won't be able to get it through on a bar with a bipartisan panel. It said that yeah. he has eight, eight Democrats, eight Republicans, and um, I guess they're negotiating or whatever, but it's already looking like the Republicans are ready to walk away from it. You know, um, 
I think the the main Republican that's kind of supporting it is um, Romney, but Romney wants to know where the money's going. Yeah. Um, and to get to my question to you, how do you think this unification uh, bipartisan thing is going to go um, where it can still make it look like where the outcome can still be that the Democrats are doing everything they can, they can without yielding too much in order to unify uh, the country in regards to bipartisanship? Well, I'm going to I'm going to start by. Um, pushing back on the words that, the, that you used. And the reason why I'm going to push back on it um, is because it feeds into the Republican narrative. So okay. you, you led with the cost of the bill, 1.9 trillion, I think it is, 1.9. Yeah, $1.9 trillion. That's what they want you to hear. They want you to hear it's $1.9 trillion. How can we afford it? Let me tell you what's in it. Okay. Uh, because I think that's what people need to hear. Once people hear what's in it, they don't give a, f- they don't care <laughs> what the cost is. So um, the plan calls for sending another $1,400 per person to, um, to equal a cumulative $2,000. Wow. $2, um, it enhances unemployment aid to $400 a week. Um, it does uh, rental assistance and eviction moratorium. Um, so it provides $25 billion in rental assistance for low and middle income homes. Um, it, it gives another $5 billion to struggling renters to pay for their utilities. It helps the hungry, which a 15% raise in food stamp um, value, as well as invest $3 billion in it to help uh, women, infant, children, and secure food. That's WIC. Um, more money for child care and child care tax credits for people who are working and they need to put their, their family, um, they need to put their child in child care. Um, this helps pay for that. Uh, temporary increase in tax credits for people with children. You're doing your taxes. You're going to get an extra $3,600 um, per child under the age of six, $3,000 per child from six to 17 years old. Um, this also expands the childless adult tax credit um, to... Uh, $1,500. Um, it's a subsidy for health insurance premiums to make sure that people have the health insurance they need during this time. It restores the emergency paid leave um, and paid sick and health family health benefits for those of you who get coronavirus or have something that happens to you. You can actually stay home. It gives more assistance to small businesses, $15 billion to small business owners, as well as making a $35 billion investment in state, local, tribal, and nonprofit financing programs for low in, uh, interest loans. To, and to provide venture capital for entrepreneurs because entrepreneurship is still the backbone of American industry. It aids states and schools. It gives $350 billion to state, local, and territorial governments to keep people at work, um, to reopen schools, to, re, to increase testing, and to provide vital services. Um, it increases the support for vaccine testing by $20 billion, adding a national uh, vaccination program that wasn't pr- uh, previously in place. And it calls for a $15 an hour minimum wage raise. Now, all of that is what people should be talking about. So you ask me, are, is there going to be bipartisanship in um, Congress over these programs? The answer is no. And the reason why the answer is no isn't because all the things that I just said aren't good. All of those things are great. The reason why we're not going give, to get bipartisanship is because they don't want Biden to have a win. The same reason 
why they didn't want Barack Obama to have a win because it doesn't fit their narrative. What they need to say is that uh, liberals want to give away all your taxes. They want to give away all your money. And um, we are protecting you. We are protecting this country. We are protecting your money. And um, in two years, when Biden does nothing because they obstructed everything, they can say, Biden didn't do anything for you. See, they can obstruct everything and then turn around and say, hey, Biden didn't, didn't, do, didn't do anything for you. We did. We protected you. We tried to do stuff, but that, those liberals, they didn't do anything. So they're going to obstruct. It's, it's, <laughs> I heard everything you said, but what, I, but what I actually heard was, and I was going over my notes over the $900 billion stimulus that came out you know, a few, few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, because I know, um, like I said, Mitt Romney, Mitt, Mitt Romney's whole thing was, where's the money going in this one, in this 1.9 trillion, because we just gave a 900 billion, um, stimulus. And, yeah, um, yeah. what I, what I heard was, um, big corporations aren't getting paid in this one. You know, uh, um, the, 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 the lobby, the lobbying interests aren't being greased in this one. You know, mm-hmm. and, and um, I don't know. <laughs> I hear I hear Bane's voice in my uh, in my ear. You know, this is for the people. Yeah, yeah. we're we're taking all the money from the corrupt, and we give it back to you, the people. <laughs> right, right. You know, and the Republican, the conservatives hate that. And yeah. you're right; it's a win. You know, it's it is a necessary. Uh, win, you know, for Biden, you know, and more so and more importantly, you know, the people, you know, this is needed, you know, this is needed, you know, um, everything that you covered is is necessary, man. I mean, these small businesses, I mean, I know here in Kentucky, um, primarily in Louisville, um, these places are closing up left and right. Yeah. You know, restaurants that have been staples in neighborhoods you know the whole span of my lifetime you know for 50 over 50 years are closing up we got a uh, car dealership that's been on a uh, fourth and broadway called brown brothers um that has been around for since the early 1920s dang strong <laughs> you know they're closing down um they're closing down um, on February, I think, 21st is their last day, you know, and they had to sell out to, you know, I think Toyota or something, some big, you know, company. This is where I rented, I rented a car from them, you know, to go to the prom, my senior wow. prom, you know, and um, it's just, it's gone, you know, and so these small businesses definitely need you know, the help and support more so, in my opinion, than these big corporations. Yeah, let me actually let me touch on that corporation thing, because whenever I hear think about the corporation, I get pissed off. Um, they're doing just fine. <laughs> they they they've made a killing while everyone was dying. They not only did they make a they made a killing while everyone was dying, but everyone who is in the upper not the upper middle class, but the upper class. I won't say the, even the millionaire class, sub-millionaire class, but above middle class. Those people, they've already, they've already recovered from the coronavirus. Think about that. 
coronavirus isn't over, but they've already recovered from it. Like low income, middle-class people don't have the luxury to throw money at the stock market to, um, to benefit from this misery that we're in. And the reason isn't their own. Like this, this system is created to have haves and to have have nots so that the have nots always want, they always consume, they always work for the haves. And when we take away our small businesses, we, we eliminate the opportunity for the quote unquote have nots to become make sums. Yeah. And the make sums are what we need because the make sums show people that there is something, there is something else besides have not and have like make, you can make something, you can create something. And then maybe one day you can be a quote unquote have, but this this system, um, it it destroys that. And 50% of people catch just catch this 50% of people work for small businesses in America. Wow. 50. Wow. So when you have all those places closing down, like the, the toll that's going to take on the, the community is going to be heavy. Oh, yeah. A lot of these communities are going to experience, and, and I'm not trying to turn this into a racial thing, but a lot of these communities are going to experience what a lot of black communities experienced in the mid to late 70s. There it is. You know, and you're going to you're going to see what it's like to have all the neighborhood stores and shops and restaurants and uh, and um, hardware stores leave your neighborhood to where now you have to go to, you know, the Lowe's, the, the Home Depot's, the Walmart's, you know, instead of running down to the corner, grabbing some milk, bread, eggs, you know, some bacon or whatever and um, making do. You know, you're going to have to go to these stores and, and deal with the madness that uh, ensues when dealing with these big corporations, these big conglomerates or whatever. Yeah. And what happens when the suburbs become a ghetto? Like what? Ha- like, where do you run now? Like, but and I, I'm not I don't mean to make this racist, but like, where's the white flight going to take you? Um, because, I mean, you don't have a job either. Right. Like, so you're stuck in the ghetto just as much as. As hey, the you know, that, people. That, 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 that would be a great topic for a show. You know, what happens when the suburbs become a ghetto? <laughs> I think we're seeing what happens. People <laughs> get know? pissed and they start storming the freaking <laughs> capital. Yeah, <people laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. You know, insurrection ensues. Yeah, because it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that that people don't realize about America. And I, I've ta- I was talking to somebody about this on Sunday. America is made on an illusion that you're better than somebody else. Like no matter who you are in America, there's an illusion that you're better than somebody. So the reason why like that insurrection happened, the reason why all those people were duped, it isn't just because of racists and, and idiots. Like, of course, there are plenty of them are racist and most oh, yeah. of them were idiots. Yeah. But when you've been told that you're better, that you deserve more, that you have more than everybody else, but then you realize you have nothing and they have nothing. So now you're equal. You think, but this is wrong. I 
am a have. I'm supposed to have things. I'm supposed to have power. I'm supposed to have money. I'm supposed to have position. So the, these people freak out when they no longer have that illusion of, of being above somebody else and they have to face the cold, hard reality that they don't give a shit about you just like they don't give a shit about me. Right. And, it, and it's, that's, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, when people get fr- – when you start taking people who have perceived or uh, have actual privilege – when you start taking that privilege away from them, they act a donkey. Yeah. Know? Yeah. They act a whole donkey. You know, and, and it's and that's why I laughed. You know, because I'm saying now they're starting to see what it's like, you know, to to be minimized, to be marginalized, yeah. to be shoved in a corner, to be told that you that you're not special. You know, yeah. Welcome to our America on yeah. a daily. You know, yeah. So. Now you might, you got. They, they might be able to say, "I took a walk in your shoes, and I don't like them." <laughs> like, I don't I don't like them. <laughs> I'm taking them off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you could take them off, like. But yeah. if we don't, if we don't, if we don't have those shoes on, we have no shoes. So you better True. pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've heard that before. Yeah. Um, and just to, to put a put a a period on on this um, sentence about um, the Biden administration and and how that's going, um, and you were talking about bipartisanship. Um, the the solution to the lack of bipartisanship is the legislative nuclear option, and the legislative nuclear option is to get rid of the filibuster. And I. Am of mixed feelings about getting rid of the filibuster, but if we get rid of the filibuster and we do a couple couple of things, I think everything will be fine. Um, if you allow me to go on a tangent, um, so the filibuster, like for those of you who don't know why the filibuster just stops everything, you need a sixty vote or you need sixty votes to stop a filibuster, and and with the parties being divided ideologically along that 50-50 line, you're never going to have 60 votes for anything. Uh, Maybe you'll get 60 votes for the $2,000 checks if that's a clean bill, if. Um, So how do you get past the filibuster? Well, you pass a law outlawing the filibuster. Now, the filibuster filibuster used to be there for um, judges as well, but they got rid of the filibuster right before all the Democrats lost before the midterm election for Barack Obama. So what ended up happening with that judicial filibuster gone, they, um, and there's no way that they could stop um, Senate Republicans from controlling the schedule and overriding the schedule. Well, they were able to obstruct and they were able to prevent judges from being seated. And then when Trump was um, brought in, Democrats couldn't do anything about it because there was no way to stop any of the votes from happening because they didn't have a they didn't have a majority to do anything about it um, as for the judicial for the judicial nominees that is so now there's a legislative one so this is for regular law um, and if you take that away um, now laws can be made with 51 votes that's all you need simple majority 
Here's what the Democrats should do to protect their future. The first thing I would do, and this sounds crazy, the first thing I would do would be to make uh, Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico states. Why? Why, why do you think? I'll, I'll ask you out of curiosity. What do you, why do you think I would want to make them states? Because more senators. You get more senators. What more kind of senators? Washington and, and Puerto Rico, Democratic. Bingo. Democratic, Democratic senators. senators. Yeah. Exactly. It's a win. Exactly. You've you've now insulated your victory. Why have you insulated your victory? How have you insulated your victory? Because this country isn't getting more white. This country is getting more colorful. And the more colorful and diverse it gets, the more liberal and progressive it gets. Like, and for all the people who are saying, oh, the, there's a future for conservatives, where? In a museum? Yeah, they're uh they're they're the last of a dying breed. Yeah. Because they're not they're not changing, they're not changing with the times. They think they can keep saying, "Oh, well, the Christian Bible says this and this and this, and that's going to dictate your actions." Jesus isn't here. He's not putting money in your bank account, and he's not stopping coronavirus from taking your grandmother from you. So I'm sorry, but that's no longer going to be enough for people. And yeah, there's going to be a super religious people that will always vote Republican because of that. Pissing people off. (laughs) Yeah. I am because like Jesus can be in your heart, but he won't be in your bank account. Your faith isn't reflected by the number in your account. I'm sorry. I don't care how much you tithe. I don't care how much your offerings are that even that money, guess where that money's going It's going to the preacher's pocket to the minister's pocket. Like it's not going to your bank account. So they're going to think we raised, we raised a heathen. Uh, like i know jesus very well like jesus is like jesus is important jesus didn't help uh bernie sanders but jesus is important like like so no i'm I'm joking but no seriously like i i think that there's a place for religion but it's not in government and um republicans have beat that drum for for years years and years and years and years and years and now you have a bunch of people that said, hey, yeah, we're religious, but we want shit too. We want both. We want God and country. Right. <laughs> like, and if we can't have both, then we don't want you. Right. And Absolutely. so they're going to get rid of that filibuster. They're going to like, the first thing they should do is Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, make them states. The next thing they should do is outlaw gerrymandering. Um, that's the drawing of districts um, yeah, to disenfranchise. Yeah, disenfranchised voting. Um, yeah, voting redlining. Um, we should. Speaking of redlining, they should um, uh, they should revamp the Voting Rights Act to prevent all of this um, shenanigans where they prevent they disenfranchise people and prevent people from voting. I, my um, I have family that live in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know how many places they had to vote in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? One to one. Zero. Oh, zero. Okay. The one place that they did have in Tuscaloosa, they moved to a city over. Now, I don't know if any of you guys know anything about Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's right near Greenbow, Alabama, for those of you who like Forrest Gump. Well, that is a place that has been stricken with a bit of poverty. It's a small southern town. So how are these people all getting to their voting spots? They're not taking buses because there's not bus- buses provided for them. 
they're being disenfranchised. They're, they're, being, they're being disincentivized to vote. And so we need to do something about that. Like if, if you care about the Republic, if you care about democracy, then you want to give everyone the opportunity to vote. And I'm just not, I'm not so certain that, that conservatives care about people being able to vote. Uh, they, don't, they don't care about Green Boat or uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah. So uh, Any that's- place that resembles it. Yeah, exactly. Because the population just, the melanin count is just too high for them to care. Exactly. Um, but those are, that, those are ways around that, that unity um, problem. Um, we're going to take a step away from America and, and come to Japan. Um, and I'm sure my father's going to have some questions for me here. Um, but um, for those of you who don't know, um, I live in Tokyo, um, biggest city in Japan, highest pop, like top 10 highest population density in the world. Um, and um, it's the capital of Japan. And upon Biden um, being elected, there were some concerns. And at first, I did not agree with those concerns. But the more I studied and the more I watched, the more I understood that Biden has some problematic issues that he has to deal with uh, before, um, let's see, before uh, mm, soothing out, soothing uh, Japanese concerns. Um, so where should I begin? Wait, first, I'll, I'll allow you to ask a question if, if you have any questions at first. Well, um, you, you've already stimulated one. Um, what now? I mean, I know this, but I'm asking for the people. How does the American election affect what goes on in Japan or the way Japan identifies or relates to American issues? Okay, so generally speaking, the American issues don't affect Japan to the extent that one might think, though Americans seem to believe that um, what we do, the world does, right. um, but that's just not the case. Um, however, um, the what the military does and the kind of military mind that's in the White House, that's in the Pentagon, um, that will affect um, Japan uh, a lot, actually. Um, to put in perspective um, the situation that Japan is in right now, uh, my first, I give an anecdote, my first month in Japan, um, I was lying in bed, it was five in the morning, and then I heard sirens go off. And they weren't sirens for an earthquake and they weren't sirens for the police or the fire department on an ambulance. It's a missile siren. Now, if you've never heard a missile siren before, I hope that you never hear one. Yeah, right. I've heard them a lot. Yeah, same here. <laughs> And my initial reaction to any missile uh, siren is to roll on my bed, roll under my bed. <laughs> like, and then when I did that, I realized I'm in Japan. What's going on here? <laughs> like, what? I, this is supposed to be a peaceful place. North Korea shot a missile over Japan. And that was during the Trump administration. Um, and it was Kim Jong-un trying to show that he, his missile was as big as ours. Uh, right. Unlikely, but that's what he was trying to show. 
This is one of the many issues that Japan has right now. We have a North Korea that we don't know what kind of nuclear weapons they have, but they just have enough. They have enough to reach Japan. You have a situation with South Korea where South Korea, South Korea and Japan have this long term spat over what happened during World War Two. Um, in which case Korea believes it's owed more money. Japan says, nah, we paid you enough. Um, so you have some disconnects there. While those two people, those two countries are distracted, South Korea and Japan, you have China expanding its ish, uh, expanding its interests into the South China Sea, whereas they're disenfranchising the rights of the islands that are actually there. They actually built an island to disenfranchise another island of their fishing and uh, mineral rights within the South China Sea. And if none of this, if none of this makes sense to you, not to you, Dad, specifically, but to the people out there, why does this matter? The greatest threat to America economically and militarily is China. And if it poses a threat to the status quo, it poses a threat to Japan. The status quo has been pretty good to Japan. The status quo has been good for China too, but the status quo keeps Japan under the protective economic wing of America and a military protection of America. With someone like Biden, there is a concern that he's a bit weaker on China. Um, I think back in 2001, um, the ruling party in Japan, the Democratic, uh, the Liberal Democratic Party, rose to power on the idea um, that they were kind of neoconservatives, that they were going to have more of a military involvement with America, that they themselves were going to build a stronger military here in Japan um, to. Uh, to bolster their their pacifist ideology with a closed fist behind their back. Just in case China ever jumps stupid, Japan was going to be ready for them. Um, so the situation being what it is, what Biden thinks about China and what Biden thinks about military engagement in the South China Sea affects Japan greatly because it means that Japan needs to start thinking about what it's going to do to protect its interests if America isn't going to do so for it. But do you think that but under this new administration, don't you think that it will be leading towards a, um, a pro-relationship with uh, China and Japan? Well, there's not going to be a good, like, so here's the thing. I, China's interests, China's interests infringes on Japanese interests. So you're not going to see many things that they're going to agree on, especially considering that China knows what America wants, America wants, or what America's focusing on. Um, with, with Trump, China didn't know what Trump wanted. It's like, you know what? I'm going to start a trade war. Fuck you. Fuck everything you believe in. I'm gonna start a trade war for no shit, for no reason. And China was like, "What? Kick, <laughs> kick Chinese ambassadors out of out of America?" Said, "Fuck you, fuck country, get the fuck out of here." Now, under normal so, circumstances, this is bad policy, but right. that kind of chaos forces people to react to you as opposed to being able to do whatever you want to do. Okay, so, so. You don't think, do you think that Biden will be more willing to, I don't know, work with China more so than, I, I believe that he'll be willing to work with China. I'll try to heal some relationships 
with China more so than uh, the past administration. And you're, and what I'm hearing you say, if he does so, that would be detrimental to Japan. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think that there's a concern in Japan, not think I know, there's a concern in Japan that because Biden will be, and, and this goes back to Obama, like Obama had a very uh, forward thinking view with China. Um, and what people are afraid of is that it's going to be a Obama 2.0 with Biden also having that kind of forward thinking, allowing China to do this, that and the other um, without having some checks and balances on the Chinese power um, and then just further letting them solidify their power base in that South China Sea. Um, Japan is very much concerned about it. Economically speaking, like it does affect Japan and and. Mil the military thing it cannot be understated uh, to give you another example i'm sorry i'm i'm, I'm continuing to give you example after example yeah, yeah but but it's, um, it's good it's good go ahead um today or yesterday um china buzzed taiwan um with uh some military aircraft so what america did was we sent an aircraft carrier to south the uh, south china sea now to people that are hearing this, they're like, oh, what's the big deal with China flying around Taiwan? Well, China thinks they own Taiwan. Um, and now Taiwan doesn't think so. And America used to have the viewpoint that we don't acknowledge Taiwan as its own country. Um, we have a one China policy and that just states that all of these places are China and we will address them all as China. And we will only address, like, we will only address these issues as Chinese issues. We will not talk about Taiwan as its own independent state. Um, but by sending that aircraft carrier down to the South China Sea, like Biden is sending the right message for right now that says FAFO. If you don't know what FAFO means, it means F around and find out. Right. Like now what I'm concerned with is he's gonna pull a Barack Obama. What I mean by that, Barack Obama said, if Syria crosses this line, we're going to war. Syria crossed that line. They danced on the other side of that line. And what did Barack Obama do? Nothing. Not a damn so, thing. So there is a concern that um, it's a paper tiger. It's not real, um, that he's going to be more concerned about the economic necessity of dealing with China and not the political and military um, reality of the fact that China knows that America wants to deal with it economically and they're willing to use that economic um, willingness to compromise as a wedge to do what they want with their military. And if we're smart, if we're smart, we will realize that China needs America just as much as America needs China. And if they want to keep being stupid, or rather, if they want to keep being greedy um, with their economic power, well, then there's it's not going to be a very fruitful endeavor for them. Um, we have some allies in this this on this front. We have India and, and the UK, um, so they're both uh, major powers in this Indo uh, the Indo Pacific future. Um, and it needs to we need to make sure that there is balance going forward between the powers in the Pacific, um, or that could be the next source of a flashpoint that could de-evolve this, uh, this world into a war. Right. Well, I'm going to ask what might be perceived as a stupid question. No stupid we questions. Have, <laughs> we, uh, we have mili military in Japan. And yeah. usually, wherever we've had a base, I mean, we've had a base in Japan for a long time. 
Um, Since usually, the war. Right. Um, usually when we have a place where we've had a base for a long period of time, that we, we, we pour interest into that particular country. What mm-hmm. What is there not an interest, an American interest, uh, with I mean, Japan to supersede what our interest would probably be with China? Well, I think it's it's important to like to look at. Um, let me rephrase what you just said, because you said that that wouldn't our interests in Japan supersede our interests in China? It's not an interest in China that America has. Uh, America has an interest in money, right? Like well, so now, ask yourself: Is America more interested in Japan than it's interested in money? What do you think? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but. <laughs> but uh, we do have a long-standing treaty with Japan. Um, but I also think that one thing that we have to pay attention to um, is the fact that the Japanese government is conservative. Um, they call themselves a liberal democratic party, but um, they're more aligned to neocons like George Bush. Um, we have uh, we had a prime minister who was trying to change um, the pacifist constitution to allow for Japan to have a standing army, the first standing army since World War II. So this is to understand that this is a very different kind of government. So the things that they're expecting um, is very different than what you might believe. That being said, um, they do have a reason to be concerned. They should be concerned about the protection of their country. Any country that wants to survive will do that. Um, but I think that Biden needs to be very smart and very pointed going forth saying, hey, we are going to support our allies, unlike what Trump did. We're also going to support good economic policy, but we're not going to do so at the cost of our friends. Um, we're going to do everything that's possible to continue to allow for a prosperous China, a, a even more prosperous Japan and free uh, seaways in the South China Sea, unabated by Chinese military power. You can do all of those things if you have the right policy and you have the right people in place. But if you can't, if you can't both uh, intimidate your enemies, assuade the fears of your allies, and keep the peace in between, you're a poor leader and you're unfit for it. I think Biden can do it. I just think he needs to be really th- stern um, with his message. So to put all of this in a nutshell, um, with 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 Japan, China, and with our previous conversations with America, what what do what do you feel or what do you think um, the administration is doing? How you think? How do you think they're doing thus far in regards to everything that we just kind of discussed? If you was gonna grade it. I, and I have an idea where you're probably going to land. Um, but if you if you were going to grade it, where, where does it fall thus far? C plus. Yeah. Um, I, like I, I can't say that they're doing they're doing great um, because I'm reading in a, a number of diplomatic um, papers and and things like that that like people are concerned. Um, I'm like I I keep my nose in the books for politics, especially. Um, in the scholastic realm here, um, because that's what I went to school for. Um, and you know, there, there, it's a lot up in the air. And when like, there's one thing that you learn, like when you, when you come to Japan, you live in Japan and the idea of unknown is 
not like is not something that's embraced here like like yeah you know like cherry blossoms in the wind you think that sounds beautiful and all that but when it comes down to power and money and instability in the country um, the country is afraid of what's going to come um so from what i gather they're not very um they're not very optimistic so that means it's a messaging problem on biden's part um now that's not to say that he's done nothing he has said some things and he has the right people in place the person that he just um that was just uh, uh approved by congress um i think lloyd austin who's going to be the pentagon chief um he's he's a strong leader and he has um he has a number of military officials under him that that know the right thing to do and uh just by looking at what you um what the pacific um what the Pacific theater leadership is, is doing and how their relationship is with Japan. Um, I feel like um, the right, the, the right delegated leaders are in place, but I think message discipline is very bad right now. Um, and, you know, everyone is kind of uh, anxious. So I give it a C plus, it could be much better. And I think he has time to recover. Um, it's just the first week. So um, I, surprisingly, I'm going to cut up some slack. Get surprising. You're right. That is surprising. I, I, I was, I was thinking that you would said C. I wouldn't have been surprised if you said D. Yeah, no, I, I can't give him a D. Um, simply because I think that he is, he has said enough about China and the problems that China is presenting that it lets Japan know that he is aware. Um, and that's the first step in creating solutions is the awareness of the problem. Um, so he's doing a good job with that. But I think that, again, it requires more message discipline and more concrete steps um, to deal with what's going on. And just sending a ship or two isn't going to do it. You need yeah. diplomatic power there as well as military power. Power. Yeah. And one of the worst things you can do is, is acknowledge that you're aware of a situation. And then as time goes by, you do nothing about it. You know, yeah. Because, you know, you're pretty much just saying F it. Yeah, I see yeah exactly. You know, but I I give a damn about you. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like you, with with the last four years of a president saying he doesn't care about um, the relationships that we have, that that's been really dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, so I look forward to seeing. Uh, I look forward to seeing what he does. Um, I have my own concerns. I live here. Um, I yeah. I hear the concerns every day. I was talking, um, and I'll end on this point. This will actually be my good stuff. I'll talk about some good stuff this week. Okay. Um, I had a conversation yesterday with a man who, or not yesterday, on Sunday, um, with two men. One was Italian and one was Jewish. Um, one of them was 74, the other was 72. Um, okay. To have some concept of how old that is, one of them was born right after Israel was made, made a country. So he was around for the beginning of that. Um, one of them, or he uh, lived in Canada and then he, um, like he watched the Vietnam War from Canada. Like one of them was in America, then he moved back to Italy um, with his parents and they watched the Vietnam War from Italy. Um, and they just have so much perspective on what's been going on in the world. But one thing they could not understand about America, they were like, why does America go to war so much? And I was like, well, it's quite simple, money. And they're like, well, why doesn't America take care of its people more? And I was like, oh, it's quite simple, money. 
Yeah. And like, well, what do you mean? Like, why, why does taking care of people mean money? I was like, well, well let me explain it to you. And I'm going to explain it to you guys real quick. And you're going to understand why this is my good point. America needs like people to commit crimes because America has for for profit prisons. Um, so once it puts those people in those for profit prisons, uh, those people make money. And then those neighborhoods are pretty poor. And the only way to get out of those neighborhoods is to play sports really well or to join the military. And then they join the military. And then what what is that second leading budget? Oh, no, it's the first budget in all of the world. The first five countries combined or the second five countries combined cannot compare to the military budget, the military industrial complex. Money. War is money. Crime is money. But here's the thing. I told them, um, just like I'm telling you guys out there, that I believe that these conversations that we have about what America is, the more that we hear about what America is and what America's done, the more we have an opportunity to change what America is, and what America can do. Um, and having this conversation with them, uh, I was able to understand that people just don't know what they don't know. Um, and we have to ask questions. We have to keep having these conversations. So I was so thankful to have this conversation with them because I was able to say some of the things out loud that I, that I knew, but I wasn't able to say to people. No one ever asked me that question. So I wasn't able to communicate it with people. But after communicating it with people, I now understand that we need to have these conversations more out in the open with press, with platforms like our podcast. That way people can rethink how America works and then maybe they can work on how America works. Yeah. I mean, and that's, yeah, that's definitely some good stuff because I think over the past few years uh, and more so now than any time in my conscious history has the question, what is America been so prevalent? You know, yeah. are the response that this is America. I mean, that that is a whole thing now. This yeah. is America, you know, and people aren't surprised with whatever that answer is when this is America is stated. Well, you know, the, the insurrection at the Capitol, this is yeah. America, you know. And um, I think once you pull the blind eye, you pull back the curtain and reveal the thing for what it is, people... Um, are forced to deal with it you know so that that's definitely some good stuff and and unfortunately my good stuff can't hold a candle well yeah my good stuff can't hold a candle to that you know you uh had the benefit of talking to to some ogs you know some some cats who have been around and have perspective um worldview perspectives yeah, um, yeah. me on the other hand um i haven't really talked to anybody it's it's been it's been pretty peaceful man um you that's know my, yeah yeah that's a beautiful thing that's how my good stuff compares with yours it's it's been um very very um very very quiet very peaceful um the needle hasn't moved too much to the left or to the right in regards to uh things that are going on here locally i mean there are some some serious issues that need to be addressed. But um, yeah. for the most part, in my own personal life, you know, things are going pretty good. You know, my wife has uh, been off for the past few days, so we got to spend a lot of good quality time uh, together. That's great. You know, um, some movies and, you know, uh, 
50, a 50 year old version of Netflix and chill, you know, where we just sit back, pop popcorn, watch TV. Y'all actually chill. Yeah, we actually chill, you know, uh, you know, uh, compared to what, you know, wild. Young. wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man, good stuff. Um, <laughs> but other than that, man, I mean, it's it's been pretty good. And I, I'm optimistic about this week. Um, I go and, uh, you know, my back is doing a lot better, you know. So uh, I go to the doctor, uh, I think, Wednesday or Thursday of this week. And uh, I should get the all clear, you know. So I'm excited about that, you know. Um, other than that, man, you know, your your brother, he's in a basic training. And um, he's had a setback. His uh, bunk mate test positive. How? Coronavirus? Yeah. Yeah, for corona. Um, wow. He tested oh. negative. He tested negative. So they put him back in quarantine for 14 days. And he's so frustrated. You know, um, he said, man, I'm just ready. I'm just ready to be through with it. You know, it's like I've been here a month and, you know, all the thing I've learned is how to march. And I already knew how to march, you know. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm sympathetic to his situation. I said, but man, look, you don't payroll, you know, just. Just stick it out. Trust and believe. When um when it when it all starts and it all you get into the, into the thick of it, you know you, you will appreciate these moments where you're just sitting and chilling, you know. And the military is a whole nother animal now. And I yeah, we on another episode. Give it a whole another episode on that one. But just briefly, they're allowed to have their phones and yeah, I saw that. I saw him post on Facebook. I'm like, yo, why does this guy have his phone? How is he posting on Facebook? What is going on? I need to call some drill sergeants. They need to get in his ass. Like, <laughs> hey, he called me the other night and said, Dad, what's the what's your passcode and uh, username for the YouTube TV and HBO Max? I said, dude, for one, it's after 9 o'clock at night. What are you doing calling? Yeah. You know, and you need to be in your cot. <laughs> yeah, you need to be in your bunk. You know, you know. Yeah. So he said, like, "Oh well, in quarantine, we can have our phones and stuff all day, and and this and this and that and that." I'm like, man, I just stay awake. Yeah, I said, man, you need to be doing push-ups, setups. You know, going over your general orders, stuff like that. Stay fresh for when they snatch your ass back into your exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're doing all of that. We get one hour out. And we and we do all that. So my good stuff is that <laughs> and I'm grateful that I that I served during the time where drill sergeants could grab us up and make us realize that we are soldiers. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that some other time. I'm we're gonna talk about that some other time. <laughs> yeah, we'll make an episode out of that one. So yeah. I'm going to let I'm going to let the people go. Um, but thank you guys so much for uh, listening. And if you're watching on the YouTube channel, watching us, uh, we really appreciate it. Please share this podcast with somebody you need um, to educate or you want to share something with. Uh, Dad, do you have something for the people? Yeah, real quick. Congratulations to you on 500 subscribers on YouTube. Um, ah, thanks. <laughs> let, 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 it, let it be let it be known that um I know you have worked hard to get to where you're going and where you are right now. And um, please, if you if you if you're watching this, listening to this, like and subscribe Dante Dockro's uh, uh, YouTube channel. Support Thanks my so son much. and his endeavors. 
Thanks. Uh, you guys don't have to worry. If you want some just easy watching and no politics, uh, Dante Dakara is where it's at. Uh, I'll drop a link in the, uh, the description of this podcast. I mean, you can also just go to the website, DanteDakara.com, um, D-A-K-A-R-A.com. So anyway, thank you, Dad. I really appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate all you guys listening and uh, watching out there. Um, this is Dopio. I'm Dante. I'm Daniel. Until next time. Later. Peace.